worship this morning. Let's turn our attention to God's word. I'm reading from Jeremiah. This is chapter 10, and it's uh, verses 10 and 12. And God's word says, the Lord is the true God. He is the living God and the everlasting king. It is he who made the earth by his power, who established the world by his wisdom, and by his understanding stretched out the heavens. Jeremiah the prophet wrote those words about 600 years before Jesus was born. Isaac Watts, the English nonconformist minister, read them about 2,300 years later and wrote a hymn, I Sing the Mighty Power of God, that encapsulates the truth that Jeremiah first wrote. And now, another 300 years after Watts, we can echo that truth in this opening song. So let's stand together and let's sing.
some of y'all singing along. You seem to know all the words. I would encourage you. There's a few seats up here. I'm sure that um, David and Kevin would love to have you join the choir. <laughs> My name is Julia. I'm the college and young adult minister, and we are so glad that you are worshiping with us today. If this is your first time, I want to encourage you to stop by our welcome desk. We have a gift bag just for you. You can also scan the QR code that's on the screen. That will pull up our digital connect card, or if you'd rather, you can text the number 904-441-6900 and text the word connect. Not only will that pull up our digital connect card where you can send a prayer request, let us know you're visiting, but it also has our bulletin and ways to give in that link. So a multi-purpose tool for you. A few announcements. The Well, our college ministry and young adult, is kicking off this Tuesday. So if you have a young adult in your life, I would um, love if you encourage them to attend, get plugged in, be a part of it. If you're thinking, I'm well past my college years, this is not an announcement for me, we would love your prayers. And thank you for praying for these students. They come from all over the world to study at Flagler. We have students from UNF and the river. So please be in prayer for them as they start the semester. If you would like to be more involved and you have a washer and dryer or you like to cook a meal, college students always are hungry and have laundry to do. So there's a way for you to get plugged in that way. The, on Wednesday, September the 6th, we will have a worship night happening here in the sanctuary. I hope that you can be a part of that. And we will also be having our next discovery class on September 10th during the 9 a.m. hour. So if you're new to the church or um, new to the area and want to know more about the vision of Anastasia, our core values, Pastor Walter will be leading that. So I encourage you to sign up and attend it. And then last announcement, if you are 55 or better, senior adult luncheons are kicking back off on Monday, September 11th. I hope that you'll be able to attend them. Thank you.
So my mind kind of wandered just a little bit. So where do we bring our laundry for you to do it? <laughs> Perhaps I didn't hear that one quite as clearly as I should have. Well, a generation after Isaac Watts, another English dissenting pastor, John Newton, gave us a timeless hymn that speaks not of God's awesome power, but of God's amazing grace. Let's stand and sing that together. great love and his amazing grace, we can stand 
redeemed before God. have to be the serious one up here, but sometimes, David, you just set things up too easily. Now, I know you're going to be retiring in December, and I know you still want to do ministry after that, so I'm sure there's some college students the next semester who could use your help. Just, I'm just saying. We're so glad you're here, and, and we are so thankful for your generosity. And you know, it's a beautiful Sunday morning, and we're in church, and we are here because the generosity that you guys provide for us. You, know, you guys, <clears throat> you give so generously, and you keep us going so, so well, and we are just so thankful for that. We have a, a very um, diverse and large staff, and they depend on the congregation, and the congregation supports them very well, and we're just thankful for that. Um, in case you haven't noticed, we have a very large building that's going up outside, and you guys have, have really uh, given your all for that, and we're just thankful for that also. This last week, we had uh, kickoff on Wednesday night, so we had kids' praise started back up. We had uh, men's and, and women's life groups started back up, and of course, most importantly of all, we had Wednesday night dinner started back up, and that's all because of the generosity of this congregation. We just thank you all so much. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you for this day. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to be in your house. We thank you for this opportunity to serve. Father, we thank you for this congregation that gives so generously. Father, we just ask that as we come to this time of giving that, that we would take everything that is given, Father, and we would use it only for your kingdom. Father, we pray all this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Others whispered their 
Thank you, Miss Linda. What an awesome song to lead into this message. Never have I gone to Jesus and him say, no, 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 not yet. Um, go clean yourself up a little bit first before you can come to me. He's always there with his loving arms around us, no matter what we've done or where we've been. <clears throat> so this, uh, the last time that I was on this stage, um, we told everybody in our congregation, that I'm going through a process of divorce. 
And as many of you guys know, this is a process that's full of heartbreak and stress and questions and expenses and so much uncertainty and on and on and on and on. And I've received so much love and support from my church family and prayers. And for that, I am eternally grateful. The path of my life has taken a turn that I didn't expect. And I couldn't have predicted this, and I never would have chosen this story for myself. Um, But nevertheless, here I am. And I won't bring this up every time that I preach. And I know it's not a circumstance that defines me. But it's certainly a circumstance that has shaped me. And I've learned so much about myself, my emotions, my personality, what I'm capable of, and on and on and on. And I've learned a lot. And through this process of learning and brokenness, several quotes and scriptures, sayings and songs have kind of risen to the top of my attention. And they've helped me through this very difficult time in my life. And so I'm titling this message after two of them. The first one is, this is not the path I would have chosen. Or, if it's not good, God's not done. Those are two things that have just really ministered to me through this whole process. And through this amazing story of Ruth, we're going to see that God uses an unlikely path for his great glory. And it's crazy to me, but this continues to shock me that God continues to love me. And he continues to use me. And I have the opportunity, the blessing, the honor to minister to our teenagers over here. It's not a job, it's not a task. It's a privilege of mine to be able to be a part of what God is doing here at our church and to lead our our teenagers and our volunteers. And I even get the blessing to lead two of my children who are in the youth group right now. And I love that. Even the fact that I am here right now humbles me greatly. So let's dig into this crazy path that God uses for his glory. If you can open your Bible to the book of Ruth chapter 4. The words are not going to be up on the screen, so we have to actually get out a Bible. So go ahead and get your Bible out. We have to bring our Bible to church. So I'm going to be reading from the CSB here in just a minute. I'll give you some time to get there. It comes right after the book of Judges. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth. There it is. So as you get there, we're going to review a little bit of where we've been in this series Um, So I'm the the last message in the series of Ruth, and Ruth is a love story. If it were a movie, it'd be a chick flick. This is largely dialogue, talking between people, girls talking to girls, guys talking to guys about girls, yada, yada, yada. It's total romantic comedy chick flick, okay? Um, So it starts off with Naomi and her husband, Elimelech, and Elimelech means um, God is my king, And they moved to Moab during a famine. They left Bethlehem and and the the tribe of Israel, the 12 tribes of Israel land, right? They were in Bethlehem. And they went to a place that was outside of the Israel uh, land. They went to Moab. And um, they had two sons. These sons married Moabite women, which they should not have done. They were not supposed to marry outside of the Israelites, and so this was wrong. And then while they were in Moab, Elimelech died in Moab, and um, so did his sons. Now Naomi is widowed, and she decides to go back to Bethlehem, and one of her daughters-in-law, both of her two sons got married, and one of her daughters-in-law stayed, Orpah, she stayed in Moab, and the other one, Ruth, decided to stay with Naomi, and then she... She said her famous phrase that's in, in there in, in what is it, uh, in uh, Ruth chapter 1. She says, where you go, I'll go. Where you stay, I'll stay. I'm going to stay with you and nobody can stop me. I'm going to be with you. <clears throat> so she, uh, then they go to Bethlehem and um, they find Boaz. They find this man of standing and he ends up being able to redeem Ruth 
for himself to, to, in, the, in the land that she was with. And I can't believe that nobody has yet um, said this line yet through this whole series. So the question I have to ask is, before Boaz was married, was he ruthless? <laughs> I got a couple others, but I'm gonna just leave that one sitting right there. <clears throat> so we see Boaz redeem Ruth in a way that points us to how Jesus redeems us. And we see that Boaz is what theologians call in the Old Testament is a type of Christ because he came as a savior. He was a type of Christ and he redeemed Ruth just like Christ redeems us. And then we come to the very end of this book where we see this fantastic ending to this amazing love story in Ruth chapter four. You all there now? In the youth group, when, you get to this pers- when we get to that scripture, you can say, oh yeah. oh yeah, you're there. Okay, so we're gonna start in verse 13. Ruth chapter four, verse 13. Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife and he slept with her and the Lord granted conception to her and she gave birth to a son. The women said to Naomi, blessed be the Lord who has not left you without a family redeemer today. May his name become well known in Israel and he will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. Indeed, your daughter-in-law who loves you and is better to you than seven sons has given birth to him. Naomi took the child, placed him on her lap and became his nanny. The neighbor women said, a son has been born to Naomi and they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. Now these are the family records of Perez. Perez fathered Hezron. Hezron fathered Ram. Ram fathered Aminadab. Aminadab fathered Nashon. Nashon fathered Salmon. Salmon fathered Boaz. Boaz fathered Obed. Obed fathered Jesse. And Jesse fathered David. So we look at this passage and you might think, okay, what, what, like, what is the big deal about this passage? And I think it's just really quite fitting that that I would be able to, to bring this message. Pastor asked me to, to bring this message uh, a couple of months ago, this, this passage. I didn't choose this passage. This is not something that I thought was, was for me. <clears throat> and as soon as I read it, I knew exactly that this, was, um, that this was what God wanted me to say this morning. We can't choose our family, right? We, you don't get to choose what family you came from. Came from. Like, um, if, but if you could, what would you choose? What kind of family would you choose? Maybe um, I grew up in Florida. I might like to choose some uh, Florida cattle ranchers. I did actually grow from my heritage as cattle ranchers and railroad workers, but back in the day, there were two Carlton brothers. One of them went with uh, the ranchers, and there's a bunch of rich Carltons that live in like the central Florida, Wachula area and everything. That's not my side. My side went with the railroad. And so the railroad uh, was all the blue-collar workers and stuff like that, and so that's kind of where, where my, and, uh, my family ended up. Maybe you would have um, chosen a long line of real estate tycoons, and maybe, uh, maybe you, you might like to have some pastors in your family line. I know some guys that, that came from pastor after pastor after pastor, some really, really great people in heritage. Um, this climactic passage finishes off the book of Ruth with a declaration of heritage, kind of where they came from. But what can we learn from this heritage? So we're going to look back at this family line, and we're going to clearly see that God is in the business of using the unlikely for his glory. This is not a family line that I would have chosen. This is not a path that I would have chosen to to land on King David. It's certainly not a path that I would have chosen, as we learn in the book of Matthew, when it lays out the whole entire genealogy. It's certainly not a path that I would have chosen to lead to the Messiah, to Jesus. But this is what God has chosen to work with and work through, is these unlikely people. And so it's in the, it's in the Bible here. It's this whole long dialogue story, and at the end, you have this genealogy, like this record. Why? Well, let's look at it. Let's look at it and see who, who these people are and where they came from. So it says, this is the family record of Perez. Who was Perez? We see the story of Perez in Genesis chapter 38. You've heard of the 12 tribes of Judah, or 12 tribes of Israel, right? And Judah was one of those. The, the, the tribe of Judah, the lion of Judah, right, is Jesus. And he's from the tribe of Judah, and he's from David and all of that, right? And so... <clears throat> 
Um, you see, Perez was the illegitimate son of Judah and Tamar. Judah comes along and he has this, he has a, a daughter-in-law and she can't have a son for some reason. And she dresses up like a prostitute and goes into town. And, and then Judah comes along and he sleeps with her and they have an illegitimate son. So how do we know that? She, she, he couldn't pay her. So he goes back to get his money and he left with her some of his stuff. And then she comes up, she's pregnant. And they're like, whose kid is this? And she's like, well, it belongs to the guy who, who's this stuff it is. And he's like, oh, that's my stuff. And then she's like, like, oh, snap, right? So that's Judah, right? And that's where we get the story of Perez. And my notes just totally um, just went away. Let me see if I can get them to pull up here. I know, this is crazy. It, just, it did this during the last one too. Like my notes are gone and then they come back up. So that's Perez. We don't know a lot about Hezron. We don't know a lot about Ram or Aminadab or Nashon. But then we come to Salmon and we come to try, there we are, here we go. So then we come to Salmon. Salmon married Rahab the prostitute. We know that because of Matthew when it lays out the genealogy and it talks about Salmon, who Salmon who birthed, who they had Boaz by Rahab, Rahab the prostitute. When, uh, when Joshua went to Jericho and they walked around it seven times and then on the seventh time they walked around it seven times and they shouted and all the walls came tumbling down. Well, they spied out the, the, uh, the, the city and that was, Salmon was probably in those spies and as they spied out the city, they took refuge with Rahab the prostitute. What were they doing there? And, there's, and, and then all of a sudden she says, thank you for, uh, or they said, thank you for giving us refuge. And she said, will you guys remember me when you go and you knock down the city and everything? They said, yeah, sure. Put this red scarlet out the window. When we um, take the city over, then we will take care of you. And they did. They walked around, they shouted, and the, the, the walls came tumbling down. And they came in and they got Rahab and her family. And Salmon must have thought she was something special because he married her. And then she was an outsider. She was not an Israelite. She had some baggage. She had a history. Probably a lot of stories. That, that she, probably a lot of things that she wasn't proud of. He looked at her present, not her past. Salmon didn't care what other people said because you know they probably talked. Hey, did you see who Salmon's with? He's with Rahab, the prostitute. She's not even Israelite. Oh my goodness. He didn't care about any of that. He didn't let, or she didn't let her past define her. And Salmon and Rahab birthed Boaz. This guy in Ruth that we learned is the upstanding young man, the, the, the one that the girl, all the girls should go after. And, and his mother was Rahab the prostitute. Can you imagine what kind of mother she was? I imagine that she at least had a, a, a pretty good idea of what it means to give somebody a second chance. If she raised somebody like Boaz, she probably had a keen eye for looking for the person who was left on the outside. She probably had a soft heart to listen to people's hard times that they were going through. And she mothered Boaz. She got this second chance at life and I believe that Boaz, because he knew his mom's story, he had a tender heart and he married an outsider from Moab, somebody who was on the edge, on the fringes. So that's Boaz's side. Let's look at Ruth's side. <clears throat> Let's look at Moab for a second. Where did Moab come from? Genesis chapter 19, you can mark that one, take a little note on that one, read that story if you want to. But in Genesis chapter 19, we see you have Abraham, right? He's the father of many nations, the father of the Israelites, and his nephew Lot. And they divided up some land and Lot went his way and Abraham went his way and we know the story of Abraham. Then we have Lot, he went and he was living in a cave with his two daughters, and his two daughters, they didn't have any sons, so they thought, how are we gonna keep our family line going? Let's sleep with our dad, and so we can hopefully have a son. So they got dad drunk, slept with him, 
the first night, one of them did. The second night, the second one did it, got him drunk and slept with him. They each got pregnant and they had two boys. They named them Moab and Ammon, the Moabites and the Ammonites. So Moab came as a result of an incestuous relationship with Lot, kind of kin to Abraham. So that's why the Israelites were always said, you shouldn't go to Moab, because that's what they all came from. That's where Ruth came from, this wonderful woman, Ruth, that we have a book of the Bible named after. That's where, she, that's where her heritage is. So Ruth marries some dude that isn't even from Moab. He's from Bethlehem. That was Naomi's son. And they can't have children for 10 years. It says in, the, in, in chapter one of Ruth that Elimelech and his son, they lived there for 10 years and then the boys died. Why didn't they have any kids? 10 years, she was not able to have kids. Was it his fault? Was it her fault? We, we don't really know. Was it God that just closed her up? I don't know. But she wasn't able to have children for 10 years. And in that time, like that's what brought you value as a woman that you were able to, to have children. She wasn't able to have children for 10 years. Her father-in-law dies, her husband dies, her brother-in-law dies, and now she has nowhere to go. How can her life be okay? How are things going to work out? So the only thing that she has going for her is if she stays with Naomi, and then they go to a city there, Bethlehem, back to Naomi's place, where they have no food, she has no family, she has no job, she's working so hard, and how is all this gonna work out? And that's where I bring the title of this message back into play is that if, God's, if it's not good, God's not done. When she was in the middle of this, she didn't know how it was gonna turn out. She didn't have the end of the story. She was in the middle of 10 years, uh, no baby. Dad di- or uh, father-in-law dies, husband dies. I have nothing. I have, she's working and doesn't know what the end of the story is gonna be. I don't know what the end of my story is gonna be. I don't know how things are gonna pan out. What I do know is that if it's not good, God's not done. What's God working together for good in your life? Romans chapter eight, verse 28 says, and we know that all things work together for good to those that love God and are called according to his purpose. God doesn't make all of the bad stuff in our life happen to make us strong, but he uses it in our lives for his glory. He works things together for good when it seems like there is no good. Maybe your path has taken a turn that you wouldn't have chosen. Maybe it's cancer. Maybe it's divorce. Maybe it's personal. Maybe it's your job. And I wanna say this morning that if it's not good, God's not done. This book started with three funerals, and it ends with a marriage and a baby. See, I told you it was a chick flick, (laughs) right? So we look at this baby, and this baby is Obed, and Obed means worshiper or a servant of God. They had all of this pain, and they named their baby Servant of God. And Obed was the father of David, the king of Israel, or the the grandfather of David, the king of Israel. That means that David's grandmother would have been Ruth. David himself, King David, probably heard these stories from his grandmother. And that means his great-grandmother, I don't know if you ever knew your great-grandmother, I knew my great-grandmother, his great-grandmother would have been Rahab. So King David probably knew his great-grandmother Rahab the prostitute and heard all about that straight from her. This family is full of brokenness, full of sinfulness, full of pain and hurt. And you know why? Because life is suffering. It is But God is near to the brokenhearted. And God is slow to anger and quick to listen. God is close to us. And he looks at us as his friend. 
Jesus came to serve and not be served. He came and healed the sick. He touched the lepers when nobody else was even allowed to touch them. He touched them. He, it says in Job chapter five, verse one, that he sets the lowly on the high and lifts up those who mourn. When we are in the middle of brokenness and pain and hurting, he comes close to us. Revelation chapter 21, verse four, says that he will wipe away our tears. He draws close to us when we're sad. He restores us, he redeems us, he is with us in our pain, in our brokenness, in our hurt. And you know, a revival isn't supposed to start in the traditional service at Anastasia Baptist Church. It's not what most people would choose for God to move. They would usually write, they'd start, a revival start in, in, among teenagers, usually. That's what most people would choose. But what does God choose? I believe that God wants to do something in your heart, in your life, in your mind, in your soul, right now, today. Maybe you think it seems too late for God to move in your life. Maybe you're not the right kind of person for God to use. Maybe it's something with your past. But I'll tell you what, a youth pastor who's going through divorce isn't supposed to be preaching this message right now. But praise God, he uses people in spite of their sinfulness. This is not the path I would have chosen. And I'm not the right kind of person to be doing any of this. He can do whatever he wants and he can do whatever he wants in your life as well. God turned Rahab into a mother of a man of standing. God brought Boaz a wife out of nowhere. He wasn't married. He, had, he was a man of standing. He had, he had enough money to, to purchase a field and to acquire this. And, and he, he brought him a wife out of nowhere. God turned Naomi from a woman of bitterness into a grandmother full of joy. And God made Ruth, who was an outsider, into a woman in the line of royalty. And Ruth was barren, unable to have children, and now... She's grandmother to David, and she's royalty and remembered in the Bible forever. God did that. What do you think God could do with your life if you just let him? This whole story points us to what Jesus can offer us. Nobody is saved apart from the blood of Jesus. And Jesus is the ultimate Boaz. He redeems us by his blood and brings us to himself. And he makes us children of God. And if he's King Jesus, that makes us royalty. He brings us, this whole story is a, is a story of bringing from, from being lost to being found, from uh, being broken to being made beautiful from hurt and pain into joy and love. He brings this out of us, into us. He brings it to us. What could he do in your life if you would just let him? Maybe this is not the path that you would have chosen, but if it's not good, God's not done. I believe he's working. He's working in my life. What's he working in your life, the people you know? He wants to bring something good. So will you guys pray with me? God, we love you. We thank you for this day. We thank you for this word. We thank you for this message that is redemption. You draw us to yourself through the blood of Jesus. What a good God you are. That you can use us even though we're broken. That you can make a mosaic, a piece of art, a masterpiece out of jars of clay. Lord, we praise you 
And I pray right now for people who may want to give their life to you, that you will draw them to yourself, that you would bring salvation to this house this morning or anybody who's watching. Lord, I, I pray that you will convict people of their sinfulness, that they may come to you fresh and anew and recommit their life. I pray that people will be able to see how you can be the good in their life, even when their life has been so hard. Help us to live out this truth that anything good coming from our life is not because of us, but it's all because of you. What a good God you are. We pray all of these things in Jesus' name, amen. While we sing this next song, maybe, maybe God is leading you to put your faith in him for the first time. If that's true, I'd love to share that with you. If you wanna come and tell me about it, or you can tell somebody else about it in the, uh, in the pew next to you. Um, if you wanna recommit your life and, and refresh your commitment to Jesus, you could do that today as well. But maybe you just wanna come and pray. You can come and pray. Um, but if, if God is leading you to something, this is a time of invitation, a time of decision. And let, let, that, let there be a marker that you've, you've made some sort of a change in your life today. And this is a time that you can do that. So we'll sing this song. And if you wanna make a decision, tell somebody or you can come and tell me or, um, or we'll just, um, we'll finish by singing. So thank you guys. Receive your blessing from God's word. May the God of steadfastness and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Go out now to live lives that bring glory to God and good to those around you. And all who committed to doing so said, Amen. Amen.